0: Jason Martinez, it is time for BetParks Presents Stick to Hockey Live, Thursday edition, episode 42. Anthony DeMarco from the FourthPeriod.com going to join us in just a minute. Um, and we got a ton to discuss because we're on the eve of the final day of the 2020, what is it, 21, 22 uh, flyer season, at least. Playoffs will be coming up next week. But let me tell you about BetParks because the all-new BetParks Casino and Sportsbook app, it is now live. It is fantastic. Take it from me. The new Parks app is everything that you have wanted in a mobile casino and a sports book. The other app was really good, but this one has taken all the considerations of being great and changed and ease of use, easy to sign up, easy to deposit, easy to use, easy to navigate, easy to understand, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. So if that's not enough for you, how about maybe this will be? Right now, all BetParks users, all new and existing, just use the promo code Jason750, J-A-S-O-N-750, and you're going to get a risk-free bet up to $750. 750 bones. Terms and conditions apply again. That's for new and existing users. So make sure you download the brand new BetParks app. Check out the same game parlays, live in-game betting, player performances, spreads, props, you name it. It's all there for you. Anything everything from the hockey playoffs, which are upcoming, uh, hoops playoffs, which are ongoing, Major League Baseball, golf, tennis, F1, you name it. It's all there for you. So check it out. Again, use promo code Jason750 and get that risk-free bet up to $750 and download the new All Bet Parks app today. And you do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, let's get to episode forty-two of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. He joins us right now, north of the border. It is Anthony DeMarco from the
1: fourth period.com on Stick to Hockey Live. What's going on, Ant? Not much, buddy. Uh looking forward to ending this regular season. You know, with the way that the playoffs have kind of been set, especially in the Eastern Conference, although, you know, you look in the West, it kind of went down to the wire, but not all that much with Vegas and Dallas. It's It's felt like a lot of inconsequential games for quite some time now, and I'm looking forward to some meaningful hockey across the league. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. We're going to talk about that. Hold on, I got to light a candle because
0: at the end (laughs) of the season, you got to light a candle like you're going to church. Yep. Season to bed, you need a little aromatherapy. This is the uh, this is mulled cider. It's a bit of a fall scent, not quite spring. So we're going to put that over here, and since we need a little energy this late in the season. Got to break out my little uh, painting tool here, right? Got to open up the five-hour energy. We got to get a little buzz going here. Damn, you I came prepared, Jay. Eh, yes. Skates a bit, you <laughs> know. Lacking energy, I've been. I was supposed to play this weekend and uh, uh, an autism awareness event, but the Flyers have breakup day on Saturday. And not only that, but I jacked up my back getting a kayak down for my wife the other day.
1: Oh, My God, she really putting you to work, huh? Eh? Oh, always, dude.
0: Always.
1: <laughs> That's like a I, good day.
0: I'm getting this big kayak off this rack in my garage, and I wrench my back. And I mean, dude, don't get old. It sucks. I fuck yeah, up my back every like four to six weeks.
1: Dude, the back is the one thing you can't run away from, eh? No. It always comes really? to get you.
0: Yeah. I got one of those. I never had them before, but I got one of those. I went to the drugstore today to get one of those cold, hot things and stick it on my back. It feels pretty good, though. A535, is that it? This is, uh, I don't know, no no mess medicated patch, menthol 5%, cold therapy to reduce the pain and hot therapy to ease away the pain.
1: So Maybe just email good. me that. I'm not going to remember that shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough, man. We were on the ice the other night too for my son's U16 team. That's beginning already. It's bananas. But let's get to the business because the season's going to end tomorrow. Ottawa's come into town. I think we talked about this last week. I think it was like easy for the Flyers to get up for the Penguins game to kind of try and shit on their seating and its a rival. But you knew that after that game, they played a really good game against the Pens. But you knew after that game, Chicago, they suck. You go to Winnipeg, they don't suck, but they're not going to make in the playoffs. And then you're going to finish with Ottawa. It's hard to get up for those games when you're playing out the string. And you've been playing out the string since
1: pretty much January. Well, that that's just it, you know. You, you're trying to get up for games that really mean nothing against teams that aren't really your big rivals per se, and you oh, know, geez. I exactly. And I was at the game in Montreal last week, and it was an entertaining ish game. I found that Carey Price did not play well at all, but the Flyers played all right in that game. And you know, you're obviously looking for some young guys to make a name for themselves. You know, Cates and Tippett and Brink—they've been up for quite a while now. You know, I've really liked what I've seen from Ronnie Adderd in particular. He's really straightened his game out. Igor Zamula has fit right in. Playing on the right side as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And then you have a guy like probably Hogberg who... Needs some time in the AHL for sure. He's like going to be an NHL player. You know, yeah, I know. Like obviously, he's up right now just out of necessity. But he's the only one that I find has kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Has really kind of struggled up here. But again, like you're playing with house money at this point, and obviously they're going to hand out the awards and such. But yeah, it's gonna. It's been tough, I'm sure, for these players to get up for each and every game, aside from those divisional rivals like Pittsburgh. Yeah. The games,
0: they just, they don't have teeth other than, I mean, the only meaning they have is, you know, the amount of percentage chance you have when it comes to the NHL draft lottery, which at this point is right around the corner. I I guess the draft lottery is going to happen at some point here before one of these
1: first round games, right? I believe it's actually May 10th. So, May 10th. Okay, I, so. if I'm not mistaken, uh, don't quote me on that, but I was t- I actually interviewed a Mark Seidel who runs his own Central Independent uh, bureau, uh, scouting bureau, and also works for the Barry Colts. Uh, Talking about the upcoming draft, I believe he mentioned that the lottery is May tenth. I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so that that's a big night for the Flyers to obviously see, you know, where they're going to end
0: up in this draft order. And when I look at the the percentages right now, I'm just going to bring up the most up to date ones. And these obviously could change. Um, you know, pending the results of a couple games this weekend, including the Flyers game, and including Seattle, who's going to play the last game of the season. Uh, but right now, the Flyers have the fourth highest odds at nine and a half percent. But they're right there with Seattle. Seattle's got a seven twenty-five points per or points uh, percentage, and the Flyers have a seven fifty-three. So for the worst record,
1: <laughs> you want to have <laughs>
0: a, a higher number here. But um, so we'll see how that plays out. But you know, when you look at it, Ant, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and Chuck's going to speak, I believe, on Sunday and address the media. Uh, he's going to have breakup day on Saturday with the players, then Sunday. Go back to the 1819 19 season when Dave Haxtall was fired and Scott Gordon was the interim. That season ended on uh, April 8th, and Elaine Vigneault was hired on April 15th, a calendar week from the final game of the season.
1: Do you anticipate us getting a coach announcement that quickly? You know, I've been trying to dig on this for quite some time and well, quite some time, a couple of weeks, let's say. And I spoke to a source actually earlier this morning and he told me that they really haven't talked about that yet. Uh, Chuck has not wanted to go there yet based on what I'm hearing. And, you know, they have been kind of committed into giving Mike Yo a run here Uh, for the stretch and not really trying to anything leak out and I don't believe that internally they've gotten to that point yet of seriously considering anyone else but what I do know is that they like how Mike Yo has been with the younger talent they he's really set up a good rapport with them and the proof is in the pudding right you look at what he's been able to do with guys like even an Owen Tippett, Bobby Brink, Noah Cates, Travis Sandheim, and Kenekni have seen rejuvenated under him. Even a guy like Morgan Frost, who a lot of people were criticizing Mike Yo for his utilization of Frost earlier in the year. Now you see maybe all that hard work and tough love a bit paying off with a guy like Frost. I don't think Yo is gonna come back as a head coach, but I do think there's a strong possibility he comes back in a similar capacity that he was under Alain Vigneault. And as for a head coach, I haven't heard any possible names tied around. But, I mean, on a speculative basis, for me, the guy that jumps out is Paul Maurice. I think he's kind of like the perfect guy for this team. I think he's a guy who can grow with a group of players, would help reinvent the identity of this team. But in terms of how quickly we'll get it... I'm not sure if it will be as fast as we saw Vigneault get hired because I feel like Gordon was always kind of a lame duck coach as opposed to Mike Yo, obviously a longstanding history with Fletcher going back to Minnesota. I think that maybe they're going to take some more time to do their due diligence and really get this coaching hire right because it is important. Yeah, the thing is, is with Gordon, though, the results
0: and the play improved dramatically. They ended up falling short because they were just so far behind, but they got themselves, I think back within three points at one time under Scott Gordon to get into that playoff mix. And then just ran out of gas with Mike. It's, it's a different situation though, because the injuries that the team has dealt with with Mike Yo. And I mean, he's really been handed an impossible situation. Yeah. And, And I agree with you. I think Mike's really good at communicating with young players, you know, players feeling like he's in their corner, but being critical and, Always, they always know where he stands, and I think he did a great job communicating to the through the media to the fan base. You know every element of trying to get this organization on track, and the way he was handling players like Frost. Do like you said, a lot of people were critical of that, and I was as well. I know Bill Meltzer was a lot of people going like, "What are we doing with this guy? We're trying to make this guy Sean Couture when that's not suited for his game." But it, it seems
1: to be paying off now it has and look like morgan frost was like that one younger player who struggled under mike yo and i think it's because mike yo was very adamant on him becoming a center and so far since i would say the last 20 games or so he's looked good obviously you want a bit more production but on a team as as offensively anemic as the flyers can be at times yeah it's kind of you know, you're going to let that slide a bit with Morgan Frost. And he seemed to have gelled really well with Tippett and Noah Cates on his wings. And look, I have I, in the similar boat. Like for me, like I still think that maybe Frost is better suited to be a winger long term in the league, but if he's going to be a winger, I don't think he has a place on the Philadelphia Flyers. They're loaded at wing. Like you look at now and in the future between the right side with Brink and Tippett and Konechny and Atkinson to say nothing of younger guys who aren't in the NHL like Allison and Tyson Forster on the left side you have Faraby you have Noah Cates Scott Lawton's more of a left wing Oscar Lindblom like if he's going to have a long-term future with this team assuming they don't trade one of these wingers in the summer it has to be a centerman and to be honest it's worked out really well here with Morgan Frost under Mike Yeo and Maybe we he knew something that we didn't. Maybe he knew things behind the scenes that we were not privy to. And you know, one person said to me with the flyers that Yo kind of has a similar vibe to John Stevens with the younger guys, a good communicator. But the other thing about John Stevens, and we've seen him since he's left Philadelphia, is that he's always been more of an assistant coach. You know, he tr- he got that kick at the can with LA following the dismissal of Daryl Sutter. And he quickly lost that job. And I believe he's an assistant in Dallas under Rick Bonas. So, I mean, I think that Mike Yo is more of an assistant coach because he is a good communicator and he brings a lot of, you know, talent to, you know, the defensive side of the puck and on the PK, certainly. And I think that if he's willing to come back in that capacity, it would be a win-win. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I you know, I've
0: communicated with Mike uh, over the last couple of weeks as well. And I know he loves it here and he'd love to stay, but again, you got to look at the situation. Who's the next head coach. Does he fit with that staff? Does that coach want him? So there's a lot of elements here uh, to that equation, you know, further on frost, I got wrapped up in this debate on, on Twitter. Somehow I got tagged it and I had to comment, (laughs) but um, this guy, you know, moving frost now, and we're going to have the debate between Anthony Sanfilippo and Bill Meltzer on Monday's episode Moving Frost now is dangerous because he is a highly skilled player, but just hasn't figured it all out at the NHL level. And we've seen Justin Williams, we've seen Patrick Sharp, and this guy goes, well, I saw the skill with Patrick Sharp, and I don't see skill with Morgan Frost. And I'm like, hmm, you might want to get a new TV, Holmes, because (laughs) if there's one thing that you can see with Morgan Frost, is there skill there? He just needs to put it together.
1: Yeah, like, look, I'm not as high on Morgan Frost as, let's say, Bill is. And, you know, that doesn't make me right. But, like, the proof is in the pudding. And I've been evaluating a lot of these players since the trade deadline. um, And that's a 20-game sample size. And in that time, the three players with the highest expected goals per 60, goals for per 60, that is, is Cates, Frost, and Tippett in that order. And f- Frost's, you know, expected goals against per 60 is 2.51, which is almost 0.5 less than his expected goals for per 60. Mm-hmm. He has a solid Corsi percentage, you know, in the context of the Philadelphia Flyers top five in that regard. And like I said, you want the offensive production to come, but, you know, he is playing well at both sides of the ice. It's not like he's an, he's a liability in his own end. Now, do I think that Frost is going to be, a 70 point type, you know, top six centerman for the long haul. I'm not sure about that. And I still do worry about him being a top six player as a centerman long term. But I think he certainly has 50 point potential. And I certainly think he's already an NHLer at this point. The only problem with Frost retaining him is that if you keep him, you almost certainly think that he's going to be playing center, probably 3C next year. And then you beg the question, or it begs the question, is Couturier, Hayes, and Frost a good enough one, two, three center punch down the middle to make the playoffs? We know they want to get back into the playoffs next year. So if you keep Frost, is it going to block you from adding another centerman, arguably a top six centerman that that you desperately need? But then there's also the flip side of that coin that you presented that like, are you going to sell low on a guy who has the potential to be a 50 point player in this league and get pennies on the dollars for what he's actually worth. So it really is a tricky situation with frost for those reasons. Yeah. um, You know, that notion of they want to make the
0: playoffs next year. It, do they? I mean, I know they said aggressive retool. I, I don't put any stock in that. It was said what in January. And I'll see that based on their actions. Yeah. They'd like to be in the playoff mix next year, but if they weren't, I don't think they'd be shattered, by the way. Turn your mic around. Turn my mic around? Yeah, there you go. That's the side you want to <laughs> A lot better. And then see that little dial on the back? Move it one click. On the bottom on the back, move it one click there. Yep, you're perfect. Oh, yeah. Just to the upside-down heart-almost-looking thing.
1: Like this? Yep. That's good. Right. Now you sound even better. Amazing. I'm yeah. still not good with this mic business. <laughs>
0: That's why you're here. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so they said aggressive retool. I think that that's all just a bunch of words and hog, hogwash. I, I think that what they've seen out of some of these young players could alter that timeline and alter their approach to next year because you go, hey, let's go into next year. If we're in the playoff mix, hey, bonus, we're in the playoff mix. If we're not, it's the quick return recoil after next year in a very strong draft class and we can address a lot of needs, get a little bit more cap you know healthy and move forward then and i think if you if you communicate that to the fan base and we'll see if chuck fletcher does coming up on sunday if you communicate that to the fan base we're gonna try and get better this off season but not just for next year but for long term and hey it if if some reason you end up back in the lottery next year and you can somehow get Connor bedard then you're set for 15 years
1: i mean this kid is outrageous right well, that that would be the best course of action is to run out a lineup similar to this one. Yep. Maybe unload a guy like Provorov for futures, like accumulate as much draft capital as you can heading into next summer for the 2023 draft and then really put your eyes on getting back in the mix in 23-24. Yep. I spoke to someone earlier today and brought that up specifically. Like, what is this aggressive retool? And he kind of danced around it because I do think that Chuck may address that publicly and give us a better idea on what they mean. And certainly you're right that actions speak louder than words, but he did reiterate that they do at this point want to get back into the playoffs. Now I think that you and I both have a good sense that if it were up to the hockey ops department, that being Fletcher and Flair and Briere and all those guys that they would probably take next year off, for lack of better terms. Slow the roll a little bit. Exactly. And then, like, go in with no expectations. Play with house money. Really put your sights on the future. I think for them, the hockey offs, that is, it's about trying to sell that to their bosses. To say, like, look, next year we may have some more empty buildings. We may have some more losses. We may not have the playoffs again. And you have to understand, like, The fly, and I don't have to tell you this, like they have not played a playoff game in the Wells Fargo center since 2018. Yeah. Like that's tough. The bubble was the only playoff they made. Exactly. And that was no revenue for the owners playing in the bubble in terms of like gate revenue. So, I mean, I could see how that's tough for ownership, but maybe if there's a philosophical change from higher than the hockey ops, maybe that will result in allowing the hockey ops department to do what I believe they know is probably the better course of action. I would almost create um, an
0: organizational flow chart to what a player like a generational player can do for an organization long-term. I mean, not only what it does for an organization, the amount of influx of cash it would bring almost just to the city, (laughs) You know, the the economy around here. And you get a player like when Sidney Crosby was drafted in 05 to the Penguins, They were their front page news from the moment he was drafted to this very day. And they will be in Pittsburgh until he retires. That's what that kind of player can do. And that's what Bedard is. I mean, you look at the numbers he's putting up in the dub with Regina. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's outrageous. Over 100 points.
1: Yeah. As a 16-year-old. And when was the last time the Flyers had a player like that? Landry Ross? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even back when the Flyers were a very good team and making conference finals and cup finals under the Holmgren years, they never had that marketable superstar, maybe year one of Pronger, when he went to the Olympics, and he was an assistant captain, and he was still a dominant defenseman for that one year. But they were always kind of like a do it by committee type of group. Like yeah. you had like the Richards and the Carters and Briere and Gagne, kind of Hartnell oh, loophole sniff that as well, yeah. maybe a, t- a notch below. And it wasn't until Giroux kind of popped up that you had that marketable star, but even Giroux, how long was he kind of like floated as one of the faces of the league a year or two? Yeah. I remember Probably TSN 12, 13 and 14. Exactly. Like I remember going into the 13 lockout shortened season TSN had him ranked number 3 and after Laviolette called him, you know, the best player in the world. But I mean, he kind of had a cup of coffee in that elite mix. He was always kind of yeah. seen as that tier below with the likes of like Nick Backstrom and players like that. Yeah. But you have a good point that like the hockey ops knows like my god, like even from a business side, if you're able to inject a guy like Connor Bedard next year, hypothetically. And then let's say this year you would draft a guy like Savoie, like obviously yeah. not close to a generational talent, but still a very good player. Like, you know, in 23, 24, 24, 25, like you could have some really marketable players on your hand, just looking at it from a business perspective. But how do you sell that to the business people who just want to see the bottom line get improved in the short term?
0: Yeah, that, that's the the dynamic that's tough. I mean, you get a Connor Bedard you're looking at, you've just acquired probably, you know, the second most talented athlete in the city. It'd be like Embiid and Bedard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like generate, like Embiid's not generational. Bedard is. And he potentially surpassed that. But uh, I mean, I think that's what you're looking at. And, you know, I'm not a tank guy, but I go into next season and go, let's just slow down. And I'm not going to rebuild. I'm not doing this whole tear it down five year thing. It's not necessary. And they can't with the contracts they have on the books. But I am doing this strategically, kind of like the Kings did. And I'm going to draft well. And and when I draft, draft the top of the draft, I got to strike. And if there's a hockey trade in front of them this summer that involves, you know, a couple of players, and it's going to help them both now and long term, I'm interested. But I'm also putting the message out there from Chuck Fletcher that I'm not desperate.
1: Of course. And, you know, I I spoke to Mark Seidel yesterday that I brought up uh, just before, and he kind of gave a brief summarization of his view on the Flyers' uh, prospects. And he says he likes them. There's a lot of potential NHL talent there. Really sung the praises of Brent Flair, which I was happy to hear, says that he really works hard, sees him in rinks across North America. But he did say that they lack that high-end superstar. He said they have a lot of guys who project to be solid middle six, even high end skill type of guys. And he mentioned how like they've really put the onus flair and Fletcher. That is on drafting guys with high end skill outside of the top round. We've seen that with like Den and McLennan players like that. But he said that there still is a need for that one player to really be the guy who projects to be like that top line, if not better type of talent. Yeah. And you can't really get that like in via trade or free agency. They're not giving up those players. Like once in a blue moon, you have a Jack Eichel who gets moved or you have a um, Ryan O'Reilly, but even he's not an elite player. And we've heard Fletcher reference it, that you, the easiest way to get those guys is through the draft. He knows what's going on. But it's got to be at the top of the draft. It's got to be the top of the draft. And even this year, you know, even if they somehow get the third overall pick, like, are they going to get an elite talent? Even if they got Shane Wright, are they getting an elite talent? He's a like, star player. He's not a superstar. That's it. You know, we were talking yesterday about him, and M- Seidel brought up that, like, up until... January when he really started to up his offensive game there were worries that maybe he would slide because although he's a dominant two-way player in the oh is yeah he's in the OHL right now I believe there was still some concerns like oh he's really not you know dominating offensively in the OHL how is that going to translate to the NHL he seemed to pick it up since then but when you're drafting that high end or that high up in the draft you're looking for that high-end offensive skill Yeah, no doubt. You want a guy also
0: that the other team is just going to, when he steps on the ice, is going to be like, holy shit, I got to deal with this guy, you know, that can just break a game wide open at the one touch of the puck and boom, and can do something special. And they need that. Like you have the second part of that, which is a, a really good player. Even though Couturier, I think Couturier is a really good player, but he doesn't scare an opposition like a, a game breaker but he's the perfect guy kind of in that number two role perfect have the superstar and then a really really good player that can be productive in all phases um and you know there as well I because I think you need both of them both of those kind of players on a team to really contend you need Kucherov and Stamkos and then a, a great blue liner like Hedman you, I don't know you need that but I mean because Hedman's f- fantastic <laughs> yeah So. I mean that team's just unreal, but still, you need to have those those tiers of players. And if you're lacking that top tier, like you can go out and free agency and get it if you have the money, but you overpay for it. Like you, if you, I think if you go out and pay
1: Gaudreau ten million dollars, that's I don't know about that. Well, look, I've always been trepidatious of handing out that kind of you know money to wingers, unless you are in the Couturier Marner tier. Yeah, And I, I don't think that Johnny Gaudreau's in that tier. And, you know, people call me crazy, but like, is he even the best player on that line? Nope. You know, with Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, I know he racks up the most points and he's had an excellent year, but without Lindholm, who I think is the most underrated forward in the NHL, Agreed. doing what he's doing, having a great year under Daryl Sutter. And Matthew Kachuk just, you know, I, I love Matthew Kachuk. I just you love give him so much space. Yeah, and it allows him to do exactly what he's doing. And I don't think Goudreau is a guy who that if you could put him with like let's say you go into next year and you have Goudreau on your top line with Katoria and Konechny, is Goudreau getting a hundred points? Yeah, I don't know about that. And that's the issue here. And look, I, like Sean Katoria to me, like, could he be a first liner in a scenario where he's playing with two elite wingers like he was in 1718 when Voracek had 85 points and Giroud 102 points? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. But they need to have those wingers with him, and I don't think the Flyers have any standalone first-line wingers. I think you have two guys in Konechny and Faraby who could be top-line wingers if they're like the worst player on a line. Like if you put Faraby with Matthews and Marner or let's say you put Konechny with shifley and ehlers or connor yeah it would work but like farabee katori Konechny, i don't think that works and i think the big problem is and it has been for a long time we've talked about this is that the flyers lack transitional players and i think a guy like katori that's the weakness of his game is that he's a heavily average transition guy when he's isolated in the D zone or he's isolated in the offensive zone, he's a good player. But the Flyers don't have those players that really scare people off the rush. One thing that I think that Owen Tippett has been a breath of fresh air with, obviously you'd like to see a bit more finishing, but he's kind of provided a bit of that like dynamic offensive ability off the rush. Because he's an and, explosive skater. And it's an b- explosive skater, not a, not a small guy by any means. Nope. G- good shot. So, I mean, and I think that it's even better when you have those players who can drive it up the middle of the ice. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember, like, the heyday of Malkin when you'd pick up speed up the middle and he would just truck people? Yep. And that's not to say that you got to go out and get, like, the current day Evgeny Malkin. Like, you can be smaller and be just as dynamic. But I think that when you see a guy like Austin Matthews dominate, to say nothing of him playing with Mitch Marner, who's you know, never gets talked about enough – yeah, but Matthew's like a big solid guy who drives it up the middle of the ice. I think that's what the flyers are missing. And the reason why
0: that's so important is that you just collapse the D to the crease and it opens up so much space on the ice. When you are able to drive up the middle like that with, you know, with skill and with power like that, like you just suck everybody down low and it gives you so much more room to operate in the offensive zone. It's like, It's what Calgary does too by, by, you know, getting a guy like Kachuk to the net because then Gaudreau's got all this space on the outside to be creative and
1: dynamic, but it doesn't happen without that other player. It just doesn't. Yeah. And like, look, I'm not one to try and like, you know, crap over a guy who's had how many points does Gaudreau have now? 110 points. I mean, his five on five numbers and are outrageous. Yeah, it's like 80 points the most since in 20 years or something. Yeah, and I mean, like it's unreal. And he even has good underlying metrics defensively. Mm-hmm. Like, he's had a, just an outrageously amazing season. Like, this is nothing taken away from Johnny Goudreau. 13 points <laughs> <sighs> that's insane. He's plus
0: 63. We haven't seen any player over plus 60 since Mario Lemieux in 91 92 and Gretzky before that, I think in 84
1: 85 he he's had just an outrageously fantastic year and again it's not me trying to diminish the season he's had it's just that i think that there's a people have to understand the context of how great of a season he's had and daryl sutter is just kind of like the master of plugging guys in the right slots to succeed in his system you know like he's made a guy like eric goodbranson like a solid bottom pair defenseman and people were talking that goodbranson was washed five years ago when he was in Anaheim and um, and uh, Ottawa as early as last year, but like for you, Jay, like you signed Johnny Goudreau. you dump nine and a half ten million dollars into him, and you stick him on the left wing with Katori and Kunitz next year. What are you expecting?
0: Yeah, I I I just the other thing I worry about with Goudreau, too is playoffs. I I got to see something in the playoffs. Can That's a player- it. You know, when the game really tight tightens up and each inch of the ice is contested, can he still be that same player? Now, he's done a lot of his damage, obviously, at five on five. He's got 88 even strength points this year, 11 more than McDavid and Austin Matthews, which is an astounding number. I mean, he's only got six power play goals and he's on the
1: season. He's got 39 goals. It's nuts. He, he's he been amazing, but obviously we've seen Goudreau not quite like this. I think his best season before this was 99 points, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it's long been the issue in the playoffs. And I believe the last year that he played like this, his 99-point year, was when the I think the Flames finished first in the conference that year was it under bill peters when brian elliott was the goalie and then they got stomped out of the first round by the colorado avalanche
0: and he had a bad playoff
1: he had a very bad playoff now look a lot has changed since then like monaghan isn't your top line center or even a center on your team anymore you have elias Lindholm, who's really like had a coming out party under sutter matthew kachuk turning into that dominant superstar on the other wing You have a defense that's as solid and well-rounded as arguably any in the NHL. A goaltender in Jacob Markstrom, who like, I think it was Bob McKenzie who brought this up a few weeks ago, that if you go based strictly on numbers, like the last three years, you can make the case that regular season, he's been the most consistent and best goalie in the NHL, maybe aside from Andre Vasilevsky. It feels like everything's coming together right now for the Calgary Flames. And Goudreau is a big part of that. But there is that looming black cloud. And if you go up against a team like the Nashville Predators in the first round, like is he going to be able, able to infiltrate? Now, I do think the injury to UC Sorrows kind of makes that matchup uneven on, on a bit. Like I thought it may have been a contested series, but if they have to roll with David Riddich, which ironically is a former uh, Calgary goaltender, yeah. maybe that's going to be an easy round for the Calgary Flames. But again, you know, Goudreau has to shake off some of that um, that negative aura around him in terms of playoff hockey.
0: Yeah, he does. No doubt about it. Um, l- let's look at uh, the last thing. Let's look at first look at the Western Conference. And you see these matchups that we're looking at for the most part here in the West. And, you know, Colorado is going to be the number one seed in the West. They got 118 points. They're going to get wild card, too, which is going to be Nashville. Um presumably Nashville could be Dallas, I guess still. Uh, but d-
1: do you see Colorado having any sort of hiccup here in the first round? I mean, look, if they get Dallas, you know, oh, I like, I remember they played in round two of the bl- uh, the 2020 playoff bubble yeah. and Dallas beat them. And obviously Dallas is not the same team. Uh, you know, Ben and Sege and Pavelski or, well, not so much Pavelski, but Radulov are one year older you have, you don't have Anton Kadobin in the net. You know, I think they're going to roll in with Holpe, although Ottinger has kind of been battling well, Yeah, but you know, Colorado's dealing with the goalie issues too, though. That's it. Like Kemper seemed to have kind of gotten his game straightened out since a tough, you know, start to the season with injuries, but Colorado has historically had trouble with those heavier defensive teams. And you know they got bounced by Vegas last year. Had trouble with the heavy hockey. Obviously Dallas bounced them a few years ago in the bubble. And if you play Dallas again, is they are are like some of those old bad habits going to you know okay. resurface for the Avalanche? Now obviously they've kind of tried to address that. They add a big tough defenseman like Josh Manson at the trade deadline. You add a guy like Arturi Lekkinen at the trade deadline, but is it going to be enough to overcome those demons? I think that Colorado will win the first round just because I think Dallas has kind of regressed a bit too much over the last 24 months or so specifically in their stars. Like if you still had a guy like Sege playing the way he used to and all that, like I love Joe Pavelski, but can he be your most consistent offensive player? Yeah. Yeah. Nick Robertson, another guy who's an incredibly underrated player, but Are Pavelski and Robertson and Rupe Hintz going to be able to match the McKinnons and the Rantanans and the Landeskogs and the Caudries and the Burakovskis of the world? So I think Colorado will ultimately win, whether it be Nashville or Dallas, especially Nashville because of the goalie situation. But I don't think it may be as easy as people may think. Can the Caps scare the Florida Panthers in round number one? You know, the problem here is, is that, Bobrovsky scares the hell out of me in the playoffs. Oh, cool. But the problem is on the other side of that coin is do you have confidence in the Caps goal No. And that's the problem. If, if the Caps had any type of goalie, like even if they would have gone out and gotten like a Martin Jones as just kind of a safety net, maybe I could have been sold on them because I do think they're kind of built for playoff hockey. Like they're a team that kind of tiptoed through the regular season, you know, slumped a bit, obviously took advantage of the Islanders having a really bad year and that much separation. But, you know, you guys, you have guys like Wilson and Hathaway and all these mutants that they have up front, big, solid guys. TJ Oshie is no slouch either. And I think that they could cause some problems for Florida, who's a very high end offensive team. But the problem is, is that while Florida has some questions between the pipes, you can make the argument that the Caps have more issues between the pipes, and that's why I think Florida would ultimately win. Yeah, they'd ultimately overwhelm them. And we'll
0: crank it up again next week. It'll be the offseason, and uh, we'll have a lot to discuss. So uh, thanks for doing this as always, and we'll talk next week, brother.
1: Sounds good, man. Talk soon. There he is from
0: the dot com. Anthony DeMarco joining us on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live every Thursday at this time. We like to do a little something we call Tone's Takes. All right, here we go! Another brand new edition of Tone's Takes. What's happening, Tone? What's up, Jason? How you doing? Oh, man, it's the greatest time of year! Playoffs are getting ready to yeah. get start. I know the Flyers aren't in it, but geez, it's gonna be so insane. These playoffs,
2: yeah, yeah. The First round is just, it's the best, the best hockey to the year. First round, especially now with these division matchups coming up. I mean, oh. that Minnesota-St. Louis series is going to be oh. a, a war. I can't wait for that series, man. As soon as they locked that in a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be awesome."
0: Yeah, that's going to be one of those ones where you go, I "Man, whoever survives that, can they get past the next round?" Because right. they're going be so like the to be yeah. kind of like how the
2: Flyers Penguins were, yeah, like how the Flyers Penguins were, and was that 2012 in that series, you know?
0: Yeah. You just so beat up after it because it's such big head, big boy hockey. Um, let's get to the business here. NHL year to date. How about 522, 528 and 40 plus 31.61 units. Let's get to play number one and let's go to the Ottawa Senators. You like the Sens here. Plus 210. Florida just played out the string. Nothing to play for. I mean, the president's Trophy's there, but uh, you like Ottawa in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they're a pesky team. Uh, they're at home. They played Florida tough this year. They beat them 8-2 in Florida, like, earlier in the year, which is crazy. Um, yeah, like I said, they might might be resting players. I'll take a shot here on the money line. Um, probably wouldn't I'm, – I'm going a unit on it, but probably we we'll only recommend a half unit, take a little flyer on it. So, um, a plus 210, yeah, it's great value. Spencer Knight's going in gold tonight. He's had his struggles this year, so, you know. Like, uh, have uh, Florida lose this game and then maybe pick up the win tomorrow night, the end of the season. So,
0: yeah, the thing is, Ottawa all this like at the end of this year. I mean, they've won four straight and they're six three and one in their last ten. They're playing pretty good hockey right now, and you want to end the year on a good note. So, I, I like the, I love the value in that play. Yeah, and to me, that's a human nature play.
2: Right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. They're up in Ottawa. You know, they're in Montreal tomorrow night. Like, they want to end out the season here. So. It's uh, definitely definitely a good look. It's what we have to look look at the next couple of days with some of these games. No doubt, especially play now number- with some of these players being rested. Like they, they they never used to rest these players towards the end of the year, like they are now. So I know
0: I I I ripped the NBA for years for load management. Now it's entering the NHL. I'm like, geez, yeah, yeah. gonna have to yeah. rip the NHL soon. Um, <laughs> let's get to play number two: Buffalo and Boston. Uh, you don't like a side here, but you like the over six. Yeah, I like the over-six
2: here. Buffalo's are scoring goals. They scored three-plus in eight, eight of their last ten. Boston has nine goals over the last two games. Uh, Omar is going in net tonight. Um, I think he gave up three goals to Buffalo earlier in the year. So I think this can get to a to a number of six at least. So we'll take the shot here. I wanna, I, would know, I don't know if I would go six and a half, but I'm good with the six here.
0: Yeah, minus 105 at six. Uh, third play is a guy that it can be a real big factor when Toronto and – Tampa Lockhorns. It's Stephen Stamkos. Uh, but you got him over a point and a half here, plus 130. Good value here.
2: Yeah, he said this. and I hope I'm not late to the game here, but he said this in seven straight, 21 points in that wow. span. Um, you know, Columbus, we all know their defensive problems. Uh, Zach Werenski's out tonight. They shut him down for the rest of the year. So um, I'll take a shot here at plus 130 on Stammer to get uh, to get two points.
0: I'm stunned at the player he still is. He's had such a significant And somewhat bizarre injuries, but I think we, with those injury riddled years and maybe some down seasons, I don't think we realized or remembered how dynamic of a player he is. I mean, he's got 101 points. This is a guy getting to a hundred points.
2: Yeah. Because he's dealt
0: with injuries. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, we remember the years where he was, you know, scoring 60 goals, but, I mean, t- t- he's just a, a, a great player, and I think we forgot about how potent he could be. And he, yeah. you know, the one year they win the cup, he plays basically what the shift.
2: <laughs> a yes, of yes. Shifts,
0: gets that goal. That um, yeah, was in the but, bubble, right? Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He, I mean, he's full value now uh, for what he's yep. able to do, and he is
2: hot, hot, hot.
0: All right, so the three players, and they, that,
2: and they are getting hot at the right time. That team. Yeah,
0: you and know what? I was worried about for, them for totally. like
2: month. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs>
0: And now I'm all of a sudden <laughs> championship pedigree right back on display. Yeah. And well, that series is especially be awesome.
2: Yeah, especially with the goalie injuries in the east. Mm-hmm. You know, Freddie Anderson's banged up, Charrie's banged up. I mean it's,
0: wide it's open So now. wide open, man. Like I can't yeah. even I, I have no idea who's coming out of the East. I I, I can't predict it. I mean, Florida's great, but can they play two one hockey games? Are the playoffs gonna be two? I don't one think so. Games?
2: Yeah,
0: man, yeah, it's weird. Um, so okay. the three plays Ottawa Senators plus two ten. You got play number two, Buffalo and Boston. You like the over here, over six at minus 105. And then play number three is Stammer over one and a half points at plus 130. Tone, great stuff as always. Where can people get your info?
2: At uh, Tone Stakes on Twitter and then also on dimers.com and outchecker.com uh,
0: There you go. Tone, we'll talk next week. When we talk next week, Tone, it's going to be the first round of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it'll be about what? Game two, game threes? Yeah, oh. Game Tuesday. They start Monday. So, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I love it. I love Cannot it. Cannot
0: wait. Hey, yeah. brother, have a great week. Thanks. You too. There he is. Tones takes another edition here on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Let me tell you, you got the three Tones takes there. Let me tell you where to put them. Right on the new Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. It's the greatest mobile casino and sports book you're going to find. Uh, take it from me. The new Bet Parks app, it's everything you want in a mobile casino and sports book. And it's right in the palm of your hand. It's your phone. If you're on the move, easy to get your action in. It's First of all, easy to sign up. Second of all, easy to deposit. Third of all, easy to use, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. If that's not five, I think that's five reasons to get the new Bet Parks app. Here's a sixth and the biggest one right now. All Parks users, not just new customers, but new and existing users can use the promo code Jason750, Jason, J-A-S-O-N, 750, and that's going to get you a risk-free bet up to 750 bucks. Use it on one of the three plays from Tone Stakes. Use it on that Ottawa game or the over on Stammer at one and a half or the over on that goal total of Buffalo, Boston, it's plus six. Jason750, going to get a risk-free bet. Up to $750. Again, for new and existing users, terms and conditions do apply. Get, in, get the app. It's fantastic. And it's a great time of year to be jumping in on all the action, whether that's the hoops playoffs, the upcoming hockey playoffs, baseball. You've got golf. You've got uh, tennis. You've got Formula One. All kinds of stuff. So, get the new Bet Parks app today. You're not going to regret it. Again, easy to use and use the promo code Jason750 and get that risk free bet up to $750. Uh, so, download the all new Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. All right, that wraps up another week of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. We'll be back Monday. It'll be the offseason and we'll be heading into the 2022 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, when we convene again on Monday. Don't forget, Monday, we're going to have the great debate between Bill Meltzer and Anthony Sanfilippo on Morgan Frost. That's coming up in Monday's episode. Everybody, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live.